Blog Talk Radio. Fans of Julian and Alexis are doing everything in their power to make sure that the powers that be at ABC know exactly how popular William DeVry is. But is it having any effect? And are Devon and Hillary fans seeing sort of the change in writing that I told them they could start looking for? And what should they expect next? All of that and more on tonight's episode of Tune in tomorrow. And good evening, everybody. It's Monday night. Yes, that's right. This week we're on Monday. You never know where you're going to find us or when. Uh, My schedule is sort of up in the air these days. So the best way to really keep track of when the show is going to be is to either keep your eye on Twitter or to um, follow the show at blogtalkradio.com slash tune in tomorrow. As always, I'm Richard Sims, the executive editor at Soaps in Depth magazine. I'm also the one who, if you join us each afternoon, on either at Soaps and Depth CBS or at Soaps and Depth ABC. I'm the one you're interacting with most of the time, uh, sending out live tweets as we enjoy the show. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about tonight, but first let's give you some important information. Um, if you want to join the conversation, the number is 714-868-0749, whether you want to just listen over the phone or actually come on the show. If you do want to come on the show, uh, please press the number. I believe it will prompt you to press the number 1, and that will send me a signal. I have to tell you, though, I find that um, the Blog Talk Radio Studio doesn't always do that, so if you actually do want to join the show, um, you might want to just send me a message in the chat room uh, saying what area code you're calling from, and uh, that will give me a, a sign to bring you on. That'll let me know to uh, to sort of that you're that you're not just sitting on the phone listening. You actually want to come on and join the conversation. So obviously, the thing that's had a lot of General Hospital fans uh, sort of on the edge of their seat almost as much as anything on the show has been the contract negotiations that have seemingly stalled between William DeBry, who plays Julian, and the show itself. As of right now, the show is dark. Um, They're on their summer vacation. Everybody is off doing their thing. And at this point, there is no word. Um, The last we had heard was that uh, that it looked as if, and again, this is all things that you know we were hearing from various sources, but none of it is what you would classify as confirmed. But we had basically heard that um, William DeBry had uh, not reached an agreement with the studio and had taped his last scenes. We talked to him last week, asking specifically if there was you know anything he could tell us, and he said he'd let us know when there was. But as of now, there was nothing to know. Of course, that raises a lot of questions as far as what the show does moving forward, you know, because if, let's say, he did actually tape his last scenes before the break, when they come back in two weeks, clearly there's still a story that has to be dealt with, um, because 
they didn't have a chance to resolve anything before he left, do they bring in a temporary actor either to wrap up the storyline or to play the part until um, such time they can reach an agreement? Might an agreement be reached during this time while they're still dark? Um, We've got all of our ears to the ground, as they say, and we're doing everything in our power to get you an answer. But so far, we're not, um, you know, we're not hearing anything. Everybody's kind of radio silent. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're hopeful. Everybody is hopeful. Certainly Julian and Alexis fans have done a great job of letting the networks know uh, via Twitter and, you know, making Julexis trend and, and tweeting at ABC and stuff like that. Um, You know, it's an interesting question as to how much that works because Anybody who's ever dealt with fan bases, and I'm not speaking directly about Julian and Alexis's fan base, I'm talking about fan bases as a whole, knows that you can sort of conflate and inflate the numbers. Uh, a while back, uh, we had a reason to sort of go on and look at some Twitter accounts for a fan base. It was not Julian and Alexis, it was another fan base who um, we were curious about because there seemed to be a lot of them and they seemed to all be sending a very similar message. And as we began to look, it was very clear that, you know, there were that, there, that two or three people had created at least a couple of hundred different accounts which they were using. And, and while that is very, um, that's devoted and that's passionate, but I don't know that it does your cause any good. When I was talking to Mal Young a couple months ago, he's the executive producer over at Young and the Restless, he was telling me about um, how social media has changed and how it's a, it's a little bit hard to get a reading on social media compared to, say, snail mail. He was talking about his experiences at EastEnders, where he was also an executive producer, and how when they got mail, especially a significant amount of mail from um, viewers who took the time to write a letter, find a stamp, take it to the post office or put it in the post, mail it, you know, that, that, that really sort of spoke to them, especially if they got a lot of that kind of thing, because obviously it takes a lot more effort to do that than it does to send a tweet or send an email. You're actually sitting down and putting pen to paper and, like I said, seeking out a stamp and mailing it to the studio. Um, So, you know, it is just as easy to, of course, sit down and write. Well, I shouldn't say it's as easy. Once you've created a Twitter account, you know, you can, or a series of Twitter accounts, you can then, you know, use those in perpetuity. Uh, But you can't, you know, if you're going to sit down and send 100 letters and it's just going to be you or you and your best friend sitting there writing 100 letters, yeah, you can do it, but it's going to take a lot more time and effort than it does to um, send tweets. It's also going to cost you money because you have to pay for those stamps. So anyway, there's, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of discussion, um, and, and I assure you that everyone is trying to figure out you know, how much you can put behind the various campaigns that, and this has gone on for years, um, uh, pretty much as long as there's been social media, the question of how much, um, how much weight to give what you see on social media. But by any weights you give them, you, it's, it's very clear that there's a huge Julian and Alexis fan base that is passionate and, and is working hard to see William DeVry um, uh, stay on the air and see his contract renewed. 
um, it'll be, you know, it's a nail biter. And as soon as we know anything, I will let you know. Meanwhile, the other thing uh, I was talking about as we headed into the show was the Devon Hillary situation. As you know, I said a couple weeks ago that you'd start seeing a shift in writing. We saw the first of that about a week ago when um, Devon and Hillary were sharing scenes in her hotel suite. Uh, sorry, this is the young and the restless we're talking about. And it was very clear that there was something between them, that these two people still had very deep feelings for each other. But then the next week we saw, you know, um, Hillary had a very passionate scene with Jordan and we saw, you know, uh, we didn't necessarily see them pick up that thread. But in the days and weeks to come, I do believe you're going to see more and more. And I think the way you're going to see this playing out is uh, what we got a glimpse of last week, which was Mariah starting to look at Devon and being like, oh, God, is he really as over Hillary as he thinks? Also, Hillary is about to make a major move. And in some corners, it's going to be seen as a bitch move, you know, as a lot of her moves are, for right or wrong. Um, it's going to be seen as a little bit of a, a bitch move, but it's actually completely different. It's not... Um, it will involve her show, the Hillary Hour or GC Buzz or whatever you want to call it, and and it will be perceived a certain way. But you will, it will not play the way you think it's going to. And I think fans of the character are really going to like the way it plays um, because it's not a case. It's not going to be a case of her being, you know, sort of the punching bag again. And we'll see that play out over the next week, week and a half. Um, so we got a lot of people on the phones here, so I'm going to start taking calls right away. Um, remember the number here if you want to join the conversation and whatever you want to talk about. As always, it's sort of a free-for-all, ask-me-anything, but the number here is 714-868-0749. Again, 714-868-0749. And we're going to take our first call right now, which is 619. 619, you're on the air. Hello. Hey, how are you? Hi, Richard. This is Ferris Flagg. Hey, Ferris. How are you? I'm good. I am so glad to hear you. I have to say, um, Ferris, if you don't know, Ferris Flagg is very often, uh, is very active on Twitter. Um, very big, very passionate supporter of Hillary and Devon, um, or I never know what to say, Havon or Heaven, or I don't know what preferred Havon. <laughs> okay. So very big supporter. Um, it's really nice to hear you. I, some people are probably going to be surprised to hear your voice. I think you get this a lot, and I know I get this a lot, um, where people assume because we are very active and very passionate soap opera fans that we are women, but we are not. You sound much more like a man than I do. I have a very, you know, my, my voice, I get that a lot. Um, ma'am, excuse me, even when they talk to me. So welcome to the show. I'm really glad to have you here. Good to be here. So what do you got for me tonight? Well, I want to talk about Hevon, Hevon, and the Shocker. shift in and, and 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 the shift in storyline. Now, do you agree with me with what I was saying that you know, starting about a week ago, um, during those scenes where they were in the hotel room and and um, you know, she was he was sort of um, they were sort of there for each other in that that moment, and then they had that great moment where he walked out of the room and he paused and he kind of looked back at the door and she was looking at the door and it was practically a split screen with both of them going, I still love you, except they didn't actually say that. But did you see what I was seeing there? Yes, I did. And it was great to hear their music in the background. That is something that fans are so much better at than I am. I mean, I'm old school from when, you know, I'm old school from when you knew 
they didn't just have music, they had theme songs. You know, everybody knew what, like, you know, whether it was Luke and Laura or especially couples on Days of Our Lives, they all had theme songs. Y'all are much better, oh, excuse me, y'all are much better at being able to distinguish, like, couples' instrumental theme music than I necessarily am. So I'm glad you pointed that out. Yep, that's their that's their music. That's their that's their love theme. What is another love theme written by can I say the man's name on your show? Sure. His name is Joseph Fiefer, And he wrote a song called Hold on, I have it's on the tip of my tongue. My heart is always your My Heart is Always Yours. It's on iTunes. Fantastic. That's that's. Uh, I'll look it up. I'm not. I don't. I'm sure it's one of those things where I would recognize it as soon as I heard it. But off the top of my head, it means nothing to me, and I won't ask you to sing it to me. Although, no. you know. No, no, no. <laughs> no I, don't, I don't want. I don't want to get. I don't want to get sued by the writer. So that's... when you are talking to fellow fans of the couple, you know, are, are they sort of feeling the shift, seeing the shift a little bit? I've been reading the tweets every day, whether Havon is on or not, um, Richard, and a lot and a lot of fans, you know, don't do notice a change in the in the writing, in 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 the shift in writing. Um, you know, it's no secret that everybody wants this couple reunited. So do I. But like I said last week, I wanted to, re- to reunite. But see, the last time they reunited back in February of 2016, it. it you know, they reunited, but it was after Hillary slept with Neil about about a week ago. So I want them to reunite, but it has to be epic. It has to be something that we need, we want to talk about for days and months. Well, I agree. I'm, I've always said whenever you break up any couple, let alone a, a couple with a big following like this, no matter how badly the – the audience and certainly that couple's fan base wants to see them get back together. I don't think it's the kind of thing that you should just put them back together. You know, I don't think it's, it's when Humpty Dumpty falls off the wall, it takes a lot of time to put all those pieces back together. And I'm really happy to say that, um, you know, based on some of the stuff you're going to see this week and into next week, um, you know, we are going to continue playing this as and I think they've put, chosen a really interesting way of playing it because we, we, as we've seen on screen, Mariah is the one who's sort of looking at them and being like, wait a minute, is there something going on here? Should I be, you know, should I be worried that maybe my boyfriend isn't as over his ex as he keeps, keeps telling me he is? And I think that's a really, really smart way to go because I feel like in good soap stories like this, it's very often not one of the people who is part of the couple, who see it, you know? It's, it's very often someone outside of that couple who looks at it and says, yeah, y'all keep saying you're over, but I don't think you're over. And, and I like, I think that's a really smart use of Mariah because it not only plays to the fact that, these, that, that Hillary and Devon still have feelings for each other, but it also, in a way, services fans of Mariah because it doesn't make her look stupid. You know, it's not like something is going on and she's not aware of it. It's it so nobody comes out of that situation looking bad. Everybody gets to look good and I, I'm a big fan of that. I think that's I think it's hard to write and I think it's smart writing. Well, we're looking for smart writing. That's what I'm looking for. Smart writing for can I say the actor's name on your show? You can say it you that? want. Of course. Okay. 
I want, I'm looking for smart writing for Brighton, James, and Michelle Morgan. And not only that, let's go back to Michelle Morgan just for one second. Now, she made this character hers, okay? Now, I remember one time when they recasted the part of Jack Abbott. Remember, they looked at thousands and thousands of actors to replace Terry Lester back in 1989, and they finally went with Peter Bergman. The first day when they told Peter Bergman, when he started working as Jack Abbott, Make this role yours. And that's what Michelle Morgan is doing. So I hope she gets an Emmy nomination, daytime Emmy nomination for what she's doing. I hope Brighton James gets an Emmy nomination for what he's doing. I'm, I just want both of these guys, both of these wonderful actors who are playing, or who are playing these, 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 love, these um, amazing characters to receive daytime Emmy nominations next year. I think they got robbed this year. Well, it's an interesting situation. I mean, I mean, you know, certainly, basically, all you need for the daytime Emmys is one episode. All you need is one solid episode um, because, you know because what, they don't was, judge they they don't judge you on the body of your work. They judge you on the submissions. So, so you know, on the one hand, in some ways, I feel like daytime Emmys mean nothing because they're not. You know, they're not. It would mean mean more to me if you had a panel of actual experts who were judging each show and each actor and each category based on a year's work, as opposed to oh here's an episode where you know that's how you get actors who you sort of like they get not only a nomination but a win and you sort of sit back and say what that's because all they needed was one sometimes two good episodes so. I mean, I get the I get the wanting to see them get Emmy nominations and and wins, but honestly, to me, it's not like that's a big deal. Um, it doesn't really have any impact on the longevity of a character. It doesn't have any impact on the longevity of actors. I mean, how many times have we seen you know people who've gone, who've won Emmys be written out like two months later, or they or right. they win it after they've already been written out? So while it's nice and it's a nice recognition. I think it's more important that they get, you know, good story. Um, and, and for me, I think where this really, the, the change I really want to see is less to do with Devon. I think they, I think they do a pretty good job of writing Brighton's, writing Brighton's character, but I feel like they have no real grip on, on, on Hillary. I feel like they, they try and sort of, like they, they they really have it in their heads that that Hillary is a bitch, and I have no problem with Hillary being a vixen. Hillary being a bitch, that's not a bad thing. With a heart. I, I mean, that's not a bad thing at all. But a good soap opera villain, a good soap opera bitch, a good soap opera vixen is more than just that. They're more well rounded. We see, you know, we see what drives them and what what really motivates them. And I feel like. A lot of Hillary's actions over the last, you know, certainly the last four or five months have been really weakly motivated. Like she's done some really extreme things based largely on the fact that she doesn't like Lily. And, and it doesn't make sense. You know, it just, it just, it, it, there's just a lot of stuff. So I really want them to focus on that character, give her a strong narrative, give her a strong purpose, turn the, the, the Hillary hour, honestly, should just be canceled. They should get rid of the Hillary hour. They should get rid of GC buzz and they should move her into an actual business and let her be, a, you know, let her put the things that she knows and the, and the acumen that she has to good use in a story that doesn't involve this ridiculous TV show that nobody even understands whether it's like you know a podcast or a blog or is it is it broadcasting live twenty four hours wherever they want to go on it's just it's just a bad plot point. 
Hmm. Well, when Sally Sussman came on to, re- to write the show, she said she loved the GC Buzz storyline. She wanted to work with it. Um, Writers we often fall this. in love with ideas that don't necessarily play well on screen. We've seen it on a million shows, a million different times. You know, oh, my God, this is going to be the most exciting. Because so let's face it, no writer sits down to purposely write a bad story. No writer purposely introduces, you know, bad characters that they think people are going to hate or makes moves that they think are going to be hated. They, they, make, they will make moves that they know are going to upset people on the short term. You know, for example, whether you're breaking up a popular couple or something, you, you do that knowing that you're going to upset some fans, but, but hoping that your story is enough that, you're going, that they're going to follow along the journey at that point. But every like now the and then, come down the pike. Oh, right, exactly. But every now and then stuff comes down the pike where it's like, I don't care how good an idea it seemed, it just isn't a good idea. Um, I am interested, GC Buzz or the Hillary Hour or whatever the heck they're calling it on any given day is going to play into the story that's coming up in the next week or so, and, and I kind of like what they do, but that does not mean I still that I think GC Buzz and the Hillary Hour is in any way, shape, or form a good story. I do not, and I want I want that canceled. <laughs> Well, Hillary's very educated, you know. That's, there's a difference between, you know, Hillary's very educated. When we first came on the show, she was very educated. Mariah, uneducated. That's the, that's, that's the difference between these two women. One is educated, the other one is not. I don't really know that that makes any difference. I mean, um, you know, I know, people, I know people who have college educations who are not nearly as smart as people who are street smart. Uh, you know, I, 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 I don't really see, I don't know what the point of that would be. You know, I mean, I don't know what difference that makes, who has, you know, who has an, a college education and who doesn't. I'm not sure what the, I'm not sure where you're going for there. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I no, I'm, I'm interested. I mean, what, what is your point in saying that? Well, it's, well, I think when they put um, Mariah with um, well, another problem I have with Mariah, you know, does she have to does she have to tell everybody that Devon is a millionaire? I mean, I mean, she's telling it to perfect to to perfect strangers. That's one of the problems I, I have with this um, Devon Mariah thing, you know. Um, well, now let's let's be very clear and very honest. Let's be very 100% honest here. The problem you have with Devon and Mariah is that it's not Devon and Hillary. I mean, at heart, that is your problem with it. And there is nothing wrong with that, but that is your problem with it. And so, you know, I think that needs to be, I think that needs to be, you know, really clear because at this point you're sort of sounding like, you know, you're just bashing Mariah for no reason. And the reason you're doing it is because you don't like them together. And that's fine. That's perfectly, you know, that's awesome and fine. But it also you know, needs to be sort of like there's an agenda there and that needs to be set. Is this agenda, we hope, is coming to, a, coming to an end? I know it's not coming to an end soon. Nor should it. I mean, I don't think that any, I don't think that relationships should come to an end at the drop of a hat. I think I think you don't enter into a character relationship lightly and I don't think you exit it lightly. I think that that's something that, you know, that that you that soaps need to be careful about. I mean, you can sometimes end them quickly, but there needs to be, you know, a real reason behind it. And 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 honestly, the reason can't just be, well, we have fans who like this couple 
and and so we want to put them back together. That can't be your reason for ending a relationship because that's not natural. That's not, you know, that's not how, how actual story flow works. You created this couple because, you know, you broke up this couple and created this other couple because there was something there, or at least you thought there was something there. And if it's not working, you can't just all of a sudden say, well, okay, we're going to end this couple and put them back together because that's not natural either. You know what I mean? Like there has to be a, a, a actual arc that brings the characters that you broke apart back together. And I think that's what we're seeing. I think they're doing a really nice job of of not shoving the characters together, but letting them find a natural progression that puts them back in each other's lives. I really like that. I think that is smart writing. You know, that's the reason why I call because I want to be because I want to be a good listener and and try and understand, you know, what's happening here. I think you're very good at it. I think, you know, I think I think, you know, I I I talk about single couple shippers a lot. And and one of the things I say is that they are um, they're, they're, you will not find more passionate fans. Unfortunately, their passion often can be to the detriment of everything else. You know, um, a show can be a show can be firing on all cylinders. And I'm not necessarily saying that YNR is YNR has some problems right now, but it could be a perfect show. And if their couple isn't together, that's all they care about. That's all they focus on. And that's all they want to see. And I struggle with that because to me, that is not someone who is a fan of a show. That is someone who is a fan of characters of two particular characters. And the problem with that is on soaps sooner or later, every single couple shipper is going to be disappointed because Either A, the actors are going to leave, B, the couple's, couple's going to break up, because that's what soaps are. Soaps don't, soaps don't survive on couples staying together for 30 years. They survive on, you know, even look at a couple like Victor and Nikki, Victor and Nikki. how many gotcha. times have they broken up? How many times have they gotten back together? No couple on day Too many to survives. Count. Right, exactly, exactly. And so, so you know, I get why, I get why shippers get upset when their couple is, is breaking up, but to me, like that's and that's why I've never. I don't think I've ever really been a. Uh, I I like couples. I've liked this couple. I've liked that couple. But I don't tend to be a couple shipper. I tend to be a story shipper. Like I want to see good story. And if that means you break this couple up or you break that couple up and you put these two together and you try this and you you know fold it in half and put it through the spin cycle, I'm okay with it. I I just want good story. And sometimes what happens with shippers is they automatically declare something to be a bad story because it doesn't put their two characters together. And I think that's really unfair to the show as a whole, to the writers as a whole, even to the actors. It's very limiting when actors are basically forced to be in a, a long-term, you know, like, like locked together for the rest of their lives because fans only want to see that. You know, that's, that's not fair to the writers. It's not fair to the show. It's not fair to, to characters. I get it to a certain degree, but it's it to me it's sort of like like that's not why you watch soap operas. If you want if you want people who are going to stay together forever, you watch like I don't know, was Jessica Fletcher married on Murder She Wrote? I don't you know you watch a show that's not about you know I mean soap operas are all about couples coming together and breaking up and coming together and breaking up. That's what they are about. So it's weird to me. Like I don't I get it on the one hand, but I can't fully wrap my mind around it. But I think you've done a really good job in the, you know, the, I don't know, we've been, we've been talking on and off for like at least a year. And I think you've been really good about, you don't always agree with me. 
and I, I don't always agree with you, but I think you're really good about having the conversation. You know what I mean? Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I respect that a lot. Not everybody can do that. Well, my mother, God rest her precious soul, taught me good manners. <laughs> Mama Ferris, was, you did good. Mama Ferris, you yeah, did good. <laughs> yeah, and, and and she loved young residents. Her favorite couple was it will always be Victor and Nikki. You know, but I think she. But you know what? If she was alive, I think she would really love Hillary and Devon, and would really well, cheer for them. Well, of course you do. Of course you do. I have a feeling that if she didn't like them, you would disown her. <laughs> nah, no, no. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, I mean, that is again, that is the kind of thing that, like, you know, <laughs> that that shippers will say is, you know, they that they they always say everybody wants our couple together, which is not everybody wants anything. The soap audience does not agree on anything, um, right. except except with one exception. The one time the entire soap opera audience agreed on something was when Days of Our Lives kept repeatedly trying to put Daniel and Jennifer together. Nobody wanted that. I speak for the entire world when I say nobody wanted that. To this day, I have never had anybody contradict me when I say that. Everybody kind of says, yeah, you're right. Nobody wanted that. They were not a good couple. <laughs> but Days of Our Lives. I haven't watched Days of Our Lives for a long time, um, Richard. But you know what? But you know something? I know who that writer is. I can't wait to see what he's going to do with that show. I'm so excited to see what Ron's going to do. I I have been a fan of his for a long time. I've had amazing conversations. I know what he thinks of. I know what his idea of soap is. I'm really excited to see when uh, his episodes start airing on the 19th. I'm really excited to see what um, what they bring. Uh, listen, I need to bring on another caller here. I want to thank you so much for calling. Got any final thoughts? And please feel free to call again. Well, my final, my final thoughts is, you know, as the, as the days go by, you know, we'll be, you know, I'll be watching and paying attention. And, you know, one of the reasons I called is, you know, I just, we, you know, just wanted to have a little chat, you know, and, you know, try and be, try and be a good listener and, 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 and understand. And, hope, and hopefully as the days go, as the days go by and the weeks to come, you know, we'll see, we'll see something. I'm not, I, I know I we're not going to see something immediately, but before, I think before summer's end, we'll finally see a something. I think you will start seeing something much sooner than that. I, uh, and when I say I think, it's sort of, you know, coming from someone who sort of knows. You're going to see things sooner than that. Trust me. Uh, next quote on the line here is 352. 352, how are you? Hi, I'm good. This is Hannah. Hey, Hannah. How are you tonight? Good. Um, I just wanted to talk about how I'm, like, really upset um, about the whole William DeVry contract situation. And I'm a Julian and Alexis fan, and I'm just really hoping that it works out um, and everything like that. I don't know. I think, like, everyone's just really upset because it kind of, like, came out of the blue. Like, we all kind of thought Julian and Alexis and Julian, period, had a lot of story going forward. Well, I, so, I, You know, I think the funny thing is, no, I don't think anyone would deny that that Julian has a lot of story moving forward, whether it would be with Alexis, whether it's not with Alexis, there's a ton of story there. This isn't, this definitely is not a case of there not being a ton of story there. This is a case of, 
you know, as often happens um, with with daytime, it's a contract negotiation, just like anything else. You know, it's like it's like when Major League Baseball. When you say, uh, uh, "Okay, what am I doing trying to refer to Major League Baseball?" Like I know diddly squat about <laughs> Major League Baseball, but it's like anything. You know, it's 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 easy to forget that um, that when we're watching a soap, what we're actually watching is a group of people who have gone through contract negotiations and and every, you know, however long their contract is, every year, two years, three years, they have to renegotiate their contract. And sometimes that doesn't work so well. And um, it's it's interesting. I'll be interested to see, like, as of right now, I believe, I do not know this for sure, but as far as my understanding of the situation is, is that there is no agreement in place that he is basically done filming until something can be negotiated. Um, and if it's not negotiated, then, you know, we either bring in a recast or we cut another character. <laughs> we say the character walked out and got hit by a car. I don't know. Um, but what's interesting to me is, and many fans have brought this up over the last couple of weeks, this is very similar to, you'll remember when Rebecca Herbst had her very difficult contract negotiation a couple years ago. And, um, and we basically were told, nope, not, nope, there, there was no agreement reached, and, and she was leaving the show, and for a while that looked like what was going to happen. But fans really rallied and managed to get the situation turned around, and voila, Rebecca Herbst not only is still on the show, but is now part of a, a, a very popular in many circles um, pairing. And so it'll be interesting to see if that same thing, I know the Julian and Alexis fans have been really active in, you know, trying to let ABC know whether it's, whether it's tweeting Nathan Varney, tweeting Frank Valentini, calling the show's hotline, um, you know, any way yeah, they can. Yeah, I know. Yeah, everyone's doing that. And I know, like, I'm in a couple of DMs and people are like, is this, like, hopeless or is, like, is are we actually making a difference? Is it helping so, like, no one really knows, and I, I think that's the hard part because, like, it's hard for, like, a lot of us to even, like, be excited for the show right now because it's so uncertain. Like, we'll see, like, spoilers for Julian and Alexis coming up, and we're like, should we even get invested in this anymore because is he going to be gone in, like, a month? And that's a really interesting question. Like, I know that in my next issue, I think it comes out, Toward the end of this week, I think our next issue comes out. I know we have a big Julian and Alexis story, you know, and there's there's something coming up that's that's um, as I understand it, kind of big. And but I understand the frustration of you know when when the show tells us there's something big coming up, is it that Julian walks off a cliff? <laughs> you know, like like what what is it? Yeah. Uh, and and again, you know, this sort of goes to what I was talking to Ferris about earlier is. It's one of the reasons that I'm honestly glad that I don't get, um, you know, I've been, I've been covering soaps. We started the magazine 20 years ago, and I was covering them before that, and I've been watching them for, you know, over 40 years. And it's one of the reasons I'm really glad that I don't get, that I am not one of the viewers who focuses on a single, you know, character or couple or storyline, because I have to imagine if you're watching a show and your whole focus is, you know, whether it's Julian and Alexis or Hillary and Devon, and something happens, that's got to be terribly frustrating, you know? That's got to be, like, just... Like, let me ask you this. When you watch General Hospital, do you watch the whole the show as a whole, or do you only watch, you know, whether it's, you know, do you only watch Julian and Alexis stuff? 
I watch every day, but, like, when Julian and Alexis are on, that's, like, what I really focus on. That's, like, my favorite part. And I think I watch the show as a whole right now because of them. So, like, now when all this is coming up, I'm just kind of, like, it's hard for me to get excited about anything because I, I, I don't know. I guess I, like, I just, I don't know if that actually makes sense. But it I does. No, of, it totally does. Did you did yeah. you watch the show before Julian and Alexis? Like, how long have you watched General Hospital? Um, well, I'm 24, so I started watching you, when I was 13. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I started watching when I was 13, but then when I went off to college, um, I kind of stopped, and then I started watching again for Julian and Alexis because I, like, saw just a random – day because my grandma watches it so I saw a random day of them and then I looked up YouTube clips and then I started doing that so I think the reason that I'm so focused on one couple now is because I tuned back in for that couple okay well let's let's talk about that couple because this is this is something that I have been very interested in as this story has unfolded because I I have as anyone who follows no, me on Twitter yeah, knows, I, I have Twitter, so I know you obviously have, like, I have reservations about this couple, it. and and I know that like you know I know that for a a group of for for a big group of the fans, they don't care. You know, it doesn't matter to them what happened in the past. It doesn't matter what he did. You know, to them, they're like, you know what? They sort of gave an explanation. He said that his sister made him do it, and that's okay with us. And, and I, you know, I get that. I've rationalized my fair share of storylines. As an Edge of Night viewer, I mm-hmm. had to rationalize a whole lot of storylines. Um, for me, the struggle that I have with this particular case, I have loved Alexis since the moment she was introduced. You know, I'm, I've been, I've been watching. Mm-hmm. I've seen every episode since Alexis was introduced. Um, I've seen her go through good stories. I've seen her go through bad stories. But one thing that has been consistent with this character is that she is a very smart, strong, you know, she's, she's a very, you know, like a very feministic kind of character. And the, the thing I struggle with is, to me, in my way of viewing it, if she were to take him back, that would just make her look like the weakest, it would be like everything that she's not in my mind. And that's where I well, think I'm curious as to how other people who do support the pairing, how they how they see it. Well, I know some people, of course, like are willing to immediately like forgive everything and want, want them back together immediately. But I'm not really like that. I just want to see their story like progress, and I want it to be taken slowly. I want him to work for it. I want him to prove that she can trust him again. I don't want it to be like she looks stupid when she goes back to him. Of course, I so love like when they've kissed or like in the motel. I love those scenes too. And I'm going to enjoy anything they have, but um, I really want him to work for it. And I want it to be taken slowly. I honestly, as long as he stays and they were in each other's like stories and circling around each other for a year, a year and a half before they got back together, I wouldn't really care. I just like to see them. You know, and see, and that's where you completely win me back to your side because I have said the same thing from the beginning. And, and I know a lot of Julian and Alexis fans think I hate the couple and I don't want to see them together. And I'm like, no, I, I, I hate the insecure of putting them back together. But I love the idea of him earning her back. 
You know, I mean, he hurt her so badly. And she already has trust issues, big-time trust issues from, you know, she, it's not like she, he's the first bad guy she's been with. I mean, she's, she's been with Sonny. She's been with Rick. She's made a lot of bad choices. But, you know, it felt like when she and Julian got together and, and they were getting married the second time, she was really committing to him based on the changes that he had said he had made in his life, you know, that, that he was a different man and he was putting it all aside and he was doing this for her. He had put aside the mob for her. And I thought that was so romantic. And, yes, and definitely. so, so, so for me, I'm like, I need to see that happen again. I need to see her. I don't mind seeing her weak around him, but I want to see her weak around him and then walk away from him and keep walking away from him until she realizes, yeah, this time he's really done it. And he has to do something big, something huge to prove it. And that's why I keep going back to, for me, you know, the big story is he and Sonny team up and they bring down the mob and we get rid of the mob. Because I, I, honestly, I'm done with the mob on General Hospital. I, I, love, I love Maurice Bernard. I love the character of Sonny. I love William DeVry. I love the character of Julian. I just feel like the mob stories at this point are pointless. They go in a circle. I mean, it totally is. It totally is because Sonny wants out of the mob now. Julian wants out of the mob. Jason wants out of the mob. And I know, like, other Jason is coming back. But, like, everyone wants out, so why do we even have it? Right. And it seems like the time has never been better. I mean, again, I, I... I, I I harp on this a little bit, but I look at the world we live in, and I'm like, we need less violence. We need more, you know, and, and what could be better than you do an epic six-month story where Julian and, and – remember how much fun it was when Julian and, and, and Sonny teamed up before when they were in jail and they had to work together and they kind of hate each other, but they had to work together. It was a lot of fun. Maurice yeah, that was really Bra- funny. Yeah. They were so good together. So why not? have them go to, you know, I don't know, the FBI, Rico, whoever you go to in situations like this, and, and say, you know what, we despise one. It's, it's, like a, it's like a reverse buddy movie. Instead of two cops who hate each other and have to work together, it's two mobsters who have to work together to bring down the mob, and the reason they're doing it is the most ultimate, awesome, soap opera reason you can do it. They're doing it for love because they need to prove to the women in their life that they have changed and that they are willing to make this huge, massive sacrifice. And I know, I know, it's the mob. You can't leave the mob. But I'm sorry. If you can have Casey the alien come down from Lumina during a far more popular period of this show than we're in now, and people loved it, you can have Sonny walk away from the mob. You can have Julian walk away from the mob. And it would be epic and it would be romantic and it would and, – and, and, and it would – open the door for me to be like, oh, now see, now he has proven himself worthy. Yeah, because you make a good point with um, with the whole mob thing. Eventually, Alexis might be able to forgive him, but if he's still in the mob, I don't see her really being able to go back to him because, I mean, after everything. Right, because know, it would just make her, look, it would make her look weak. It would make her look weak unless they gave her a brain tumor, and she woke up from that brain tumor and thought she was a mob mall in the 1940s. That might be fun. <laughs> I mean, I'm totally kidding, but I'm, but I'm like, you know, and that's the other problem with these stories is you can't comp- comp- you can't repeatedly play stories 
that make the bad guys heroes. You know, we've got to get our heroes back into hero mode. It's one thing to have an anti-hero on the show, but when you look at the General Hospital canvas, they're all anti-heroes, you know? They're all, like, gun-toting mobsters or former mobsters or, you know, they're just there's a lot of bad people on the canvas, and, and it's so easy to fix it. And it opens the door up for so many more stories, and it gives your great actors new and interesting things to do, and it gives your audience something where, you know, if you do a story where somebody holds a gun on, on Sonny and they say they're going to kill him, Nobody believes they're going to kill Sonny. If you do a story where Sonny or Julian kill somebody, nobody thinks they're going to pay the consequence for that. So there's no, there's no consequences to the actions, and that's when a story becomes uninteresting to me. Yeah. And Sonny is kind of always, I feel like no matter what, he's always kind of propped as the good guy. Like he always, and I feel like I root for him more when he's down more than when everyone's like saying like, Oh, he's this amazing guy. Wait, like, I love Jocelyn right now. I love Jocelyn reading him for Phil because it feels real. This is a girl who is telling Carly and Sonny, y'all are messes. Y'all have gotten married five times. Doesn't that tell you something? Because the only way you can get married five times is if you get divorced five times. And that's got to tell you <laughs> there's a problem here. <laughs> yeah. Do you watch any also other shows? Also for Julian and Alexis, I feel like it wouldn't mm-hmm. be a bad thing for, like, Alexis and maybe even Julian to go to therapy. <gasps> you said the T word. I love the T word. I, I miss the days when soaps, almost all soaps, used to have a character on the canvas who was a therapist. And they didn't really have families and they didn't really, we didn't get into their personal lives. Their whole point was to be a talk to character it allowed for it allowed for not only mm-hmm. exposition but there's something so honest and you get to get you know a a character going to therapy just like a person you know i mean i've done therapy i think therapy is amazing when you go to therapy you can say things to your therapist that you can't say to the closest people that you know your best friend your girlfriend your boyfriend your mother your wife you can't say to anybody because that person is paid to listen to you and they can't tell anyone what you said and so you go in there and you're so honest and there's something to me fascinating about a character who walks into a room closes the door and is allowed to expose their soul i i agree i think and then if you put a couple in therapy oh lord can you imagine the therapy sessions that we would get with julian and alexis or carly and sunny in 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 um mm-hmm. uh, marriage therapy what was it called Not marriage therapy what do you call it <laughs> Marriage counseling, that's it. Marriage therapy. Mm-hmm. Welcome to marriage therapy. That sounds like fun. Richard, you're not allowed to talk anymore. Uh, yeah, no, I completely, I completely agree. I think that there's so much there to explore. Yeah, because especially with Julian, well, obviously with Alexis and everything that she went through, but with Julian, like, um, obviously we know he did, um, like, based on the show, he did this because, he wanted to like protect her or whatever, but like they could go into what pushed him to this point. Why didn't he just tell Alexis? Why like, and all those things that are going through his head and probably going through Alexis's head too. So I just want to, I really want to see all that stress. Exactly. Hannah, 
you're my new best friend. Call me every five minutes. You know, I, I could not agree with you more. Um, listen, I have to go and take another call here, but I really want to thank you for calling. And please call again. You're, you're, I, I like hearing your perspective. It's, it's really interesting, and I, uh, I appreciate it. Okay, yeah, thank you so much. Bye. Oh, thank you. Have a great night. All right, we're going to move on down here to 347. 347, you're on the air. Hey, Richard, it's Tasha. Hey, Tasha, how are you tonight? I'm doing good. I'm um, calling about the bold and the beautiful. Okay. What are you thinking about Sheila and Eric? I love that story. I love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Now, yes, it's a, you know, depending on what they do with Eric at this point, because, you know, Eric does know Sheila's history, but we also know Eric's history. And Eric is, how do I put this? Eric is stupid. Eric is a stupid, stupid man. I mean, he has made so many stupid mistakes in the past. Um, and, and he's susceptible to women. He thinks that he can be every woman's savior. And so the, to, to him, in a weird way, the same way he hooked up with Quinn, it would make sense to me that he looks at Sheila and is like, well, I was the one good thing in her life. So clearly the powers of my love you know, can can heal her again. So I, I love this. I can't wait to see where it goes. Although I'm telling you, I still believe, I still believe Sheila shot at Quinn. It was not Deacon. Deacon is, has, is being set up. Deacon, but because if you watch the scenes where Deacon was arrested and where Deacon confessed, Deacon never said he shot at her. Deacon admitted that he pulled a gun out in the living room, and I think he thinks that he's being charged with that and that really they're going to that at the end of this story we're going to find out no 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 deacon's an idiot who was drunk and didn't understand what they were saying but that really sheila's i still believe sheila's the one who really shot at her yeah and i'm so happy to see that caroline is coming back because i'm one of those people do not like sally and thomas all right, I can't talk to you anymore. I'm going to hang up on you now. No, I I, under, I, I understand. Chemistry. But, I, see, I do. I really like them together. I, 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 I don't necessarily like the Spectre storyline, you know, that they used to introduce all the characters and everything. I didn't really like that. But I do think Sally and Thomas were a good thing that came out of it. But I completely agree. Bringing Caroline in and playing Caroline Thomas into the Steffi Douglas, uh, or Caroline and Douglas into the Steffi, oh, my God, into the Sally uh, Thomas story is going to be Thomas. so much fun. And you know who's going to be playing into it that I really like? Bill. Because Bill is not a fan of Sally's. Bill is Caroline's uncle. So the fact that he is going to get involved in this automatically makes me a thousand times more interested because Anytime Bill Spencer is on screen, I am entertained. And if he happens to be on screen and has a vendetta against somebody, I find that wildly entertaining. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I would be a fan of this, but their romance seems so forced. It was like, meet one day, fall in love the next. I was like, do you even know her middle name? Do you know what yeah, school? Do you know my middle name? I know people out there think we're a super couple. I mean, you and I have been talking for two years now. Do you know my middle name? No. <laughs> Michael. Oh, oh my God, that's a guess. That is right. <laughs> Good guess. <See? laughs> but it was we like, are a it super was a couple, cool. Tasha. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, I need it. So. 
<laughs> for me, it was like, you just met her. Now she's the love of your life. I'm like, what happened here? But you know that that's how the, but you, but you know that's how the bold and the beautiful works. That's always how the bold and the beautiful works. As you know, you know, the minute two characters meet, like, like, come on, who hasn't seen that they're totally going to pair up Wyatt and, uh, or I mean, Liam, no, yeah, Wyatt, Wyatt and Hope. Wyatt. It's clear. The minute that, the not Wyatt and Hope, listen to me, Wyatt and Katie. Katie. The minute Katie walked into his office and they had that cute little scene, I was like, oh, they're going to be a fun pair. Like, Bold and Beautiful is not subtle in the way it does things. It's very mm-hmm. obvious where they're going with couples. <laughs> but, you see, I could see Wyatt and Katie as a couple because they're fun and, I don't know. For me, it was like with Thomas and Steffi. I'm Steffi. That's the only couple they haven't been because he was going after Ivy for a while. Um, I know what I know what the problem is here. It's your hatred of gingers. You have ginger issues. That's why you can't accept Sally. (laughs) Are you kidding? I love Julia Roberts as a redhead and (laughs) Harry. I think he's the best royal. No, for me, it was just and. I just really want them to just say that the real Sally is dead. I'm so tired that she's out there. She's out there. Stephanie, Stephanie is dead. Sally could be dead as well. I agree. I understand why they why they decided to keep her alive at first, but when they reintroduced the Spectras, it really made no sense because, you know, for example, with this big showdown in, in Monaco with the swimsuit lines and stuff, we know that Sally is like basically hanging out on the French Riviera. How you know? There's no way that that she would not be there for these things. So I agree. They really need to have Sally get a phone call saying, uh, you know, sorry, the original Sally is dead. Um, and I get that they wanted yeah. to keep Sally alive after Darlene Conley passed away out of respect for the character. But once they decided to reintroduce the 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 new Spectras, they really needed to kill her off because. This is Sally's dream. This is the original Sally's dream. You know, she loved going up against the Spectres, they, or the Foresters. They used to do this all the time. They did it on the Queen Mary. They did it, you know, everywhere they went, they were having showdowns. So Sally would be there. So you're right. You're completely and, right that they do need to kill the character. I think the rivalry, rivalry between Sally and Stephanie is so funny, especially when they all try to, they both try to get tough. I'm like, really? It's just so funny. It's like a little. I don't mind it. I think. I mean, I I like having female rivalries on shows. I like having male rivalries. I like rivalries. And Sally and Steffi seem like like they seem like women. And this is my favorite kind of rivalry because Steffi and the original Stephanie and Sally were the same way. They were women who, if you sat them down, and and you know, and, and occasionally it happened, like when they got drunk and Sally cut Stephanie's hair. If you sat them down in a bar and got them drunk, they would be best friends. And But the, the, the circumstances of life have put them on opposite ends of the table. And I feel that same way about Sally and Steffi. They are two women who are very similar in many ways. They both have a love of fashion. They both, they both care for Thomas in their own way. If you could sit them down, if they could see past their differences, they would be best friends, but they just can't because life has dealt them the cards that they are born to be rivals. And I'm I'm okay with that. Okay. Um, are they rocks going away? Because I really did enjoy them. What was that? I didn't I didn't get that. The Avants, Maya's family, because you know they bring them back, they show them in the closet, they bring them back, they show are they going away? Because I really like the father. Sorry <laughs> Oh, I agree. I think what happened there was, you know, it looked like we were going to get this big Avant story with Nicole's baby and all that. 
And I honestly believe that what happened was that that got cut short and shoved to the side in order to make room for the summer of Sheila. I really believe that. Um, although I was talking to my bold and beautiful editor, Amy, who I, you know, she, she and I had a long discussion about this, um, you know, because clearly it's her job to cover the show. So she knows it really well. She's covered it for us for a long time. And she was pointing, she and I were discussing this and, and sort of pointing out that it seemed as if this, the, the Nicole Maya story was heading for a courtroom. But the courtroom is not a place that the Bold and the Beautiful goes very often. Very, very rarely. I mean, you could count probably on one hand how many times they've actually done courtroom stories on here. Now, I think it would have been a great story. I'm sorry that it got pushed aside. My fondest hope is that, you know, that when they have room on the canvas to bring, to, to reexamine this whole side of the canvas, that all of a sudden Sasha shows up and that Sasha had Zendi's baby while she was off the canvas. Because, you know, here you would have Nicole, who already has issues with Sasha based on Sasha's past with Zendi. Now Nicole can't have a baby. And what would happen if Sasha walked in and said, oh, yeah, while I was away, I kind of had your husband's baby. I could totally buy it. I think it would be a lot of fun. And it would put the Avants right back on the front burner. True. I mean, you know, because what they're gone, Maya and Rick is gone. And Rick should definitely be in the Sheila storyline. I mean, she shot his mother. Eric is his father. What is he doing? Yeah, I, I I agree. I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind seeing that at all. And I'd like to see more Maya. You know, Maya is such a good character, and and we have Maya and Rick, and and for a hot minute there we got some great storyline with them, but then they uh, they ended up going you know sort of right back to the back burner there. Um, Tasha, thank you. I gotta I gotta move on. I got one more caller here I want to get to before the end of the show. I may end up going a couple minutes over, guys. So if you're listening live, you may get cut off the rest of the show you can listen to in uh, the uh, <laughs> what do they call the archive. The archive. I'm struggling to find words tonight. Uh, but I want to get to our last caller because they've been very patiently holding. So two oh four, you're on the air. Richard it's Al from Canada. How are you? Al from Canada, how are you? Very good. I'll just dive into everything since I'm last uh, caller and try to make it concise. You get to you get to take your time and wrap us. You get to you get to what do they call it? I've been trying to do baseball references tonight and they've all failed. You're batting cleanup. That's what it is. You're batting cleanup. So sure. what do you got for me? Okay, one. Um, I'll just start with GH. Um, uh, I think that even though William DeVry's contract thing is in a state of murkiness right now, whether he's going to stay on the show or he's off, or I guess he's going to be off, however that works out, I think that GH should do everything in their power to try and make him stay, because I think of the love interest that I've seen Alexis been with since I've been watching since 2011 or so, I think he's the strongest, because um, your friend Nancy Legron crushes... uh, um, Rick Lansing and Jackson seems if there's a situation and there's a problem, she's the one to kind of um, take care of it in the end. Whereas with uh, William DeBry as um, Julian, I feel like they're more on an even playing field, even though they're almost eight years apart. They all they look more solid. I have to agree. I mean, you know, I've had issues with Julian and Alexis from time to time, but it's hard to 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 beat 
the the pairing of Nancy Lee Gron and 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 William DeBry. They are your great. They're they're a great couple. Um, they're very much like Maurice Bernard and and Laura Wright in that they're just a pairing that feels right. Hold on one second, Alan. Um, we're going to leave sure. the feed here in a minute for those of you who are listening live. Um, I want to thank you for listening in, and I want to thank our callers. We had some great calls tonight. I really look forward to um, talking to everybody every week. If you want to hear the rest of the show, because we're going to continue here, you can go into the archive. If you're listening in the archive, then you don't really have to do anything. As always, I want to thank everybody for hanging out and show up next week. I'm Richard from Soaps in Depth, uh, and uh, we're now we're going to continue our conversation with Al from Canada. I get to be Richard from Soaps in Depth. You get to be Al from Canada. But but I agree with you, Al. I think I think when you I think it's hard to find. You know, Nancy's been on the canvas for a long time. Um, we've seen her with various pairings. I liked the friendship that Alexis and Jax had, but I don't know if I ever really thought of them as a couple. I liked the idea of Sonny and and Alexis. I loved the idea of them, but when they actually got together, it didn't really do much for me. And and so the fact that they've had this really incredibly popular, wildly successful pairing, you know, I agree. I think it's it, it would be a very hard thing to lose. I I really do hope that they can uh, figure this out and keep him on the canvas. Well, also to this thing on GH, what I've noticed is that uh, two things. One, I feel like over the last couple of years, ever since Guza left, the women have started to dominate GH a lot more. I always feel like the women are more the lead actors and all that, and the men are more the sidekicks, with the exception of Sonny. And also, I, I think that GH needs, like, in the, in, uh, even in the cop area, I feel like they need, like, Patrick Drake, the character Patrick Drake should be recasted because you need that lead, dashing, debonair doctor. And I also need, they feel like they need it in the cop section as well, uh, as uh, the cop section as well. So a dashing I kind of disagree. detective and a dashing and here's... doctor. I kind of disagree, and here's why. We have a dashing doctor on the canvas. We have several dashing doctors on the canvas. We have Michael Easton as Finn. We have, uh, we have Matt Cohen as Griff. The problem is they're not writing for them. It's not the fact that they need new characters on the canvas. It's that they need to do a better job of writing for the characters that they have. I mean, you look at, you look at Matt Cohen. He's handsome. He's a doctor on the show. He's, you know, there's, there's, I don't know what more you want. And yet he's been on all this time and they give him nothing to do. Um, I'm also, I'm a little interested to see what happens with Michael Easton with Rebecca Buttig leaving, you know, where do they put this character? Do they keep the character? You know, could, could Easton be the next one who will, will find out is leaving? I don't know. Um, but as far as the women, I I think it's real hard to say that that the men are sidekicks on this show because I mean ninety percent of the stories revolve around you know either Sonny or Julian or you know Jason and Sam and uh, you know I I don't know I don't really feel like they're necessarily sidekicks. Um, I do feel like they have a lot of women who are strong women who are not allowed to be smart. 
you know, Jordan is a very strong woman who is not necessarily allowed to be smart, especially in the workplace. Alexis is a strong woman who is not necessarily allowed to be smart. Carly is a strong woman who is not necessarily allowed to be smart. I'd like to see, especially in a genre that is supposedly aimed at women, these women, you know, be a little more aggressively smart, you know, that have them make good decisions, have them not always sort of, I don't think women, I don't think these women have to always necessarily stand by their man. I like that Carly walked away from Sonny. And I really, you know, the other day they had Sonny and Carly talking about renewing their vows. And I was like, no, no, he has done nothing to win you back yet. Yes, he says he's going to leave the mob, but he hasn't done it. Make him earn it, because otherwise you look weak. You look like you just went running back to him. And Jocelyn, who keeps pointing that out, is actually the smartest person in the room when she talks that way. Uh, let, me, let me ask you this. If there's a battle of the network stars just based on the characters, who do you think would uh, come out on top? Uh, oh, the my God. The women of uh, Days, the women of GH, or the women of Y&R? I think it would depend on the competition. Um, I have to say my first impression would be the women of General Hospital just because if you look at the female characters on General Hospital and you look at the general environment that General Hospital is set in, they've had to deal with a lot of crap over the years. They've had to beat a lot of men. They've had to, you know, they've had knives held to their throats. They've been shot. They've been kidnapped. I mean, the women on General Hospital have gone through a lot. So that's what it says to me that they might have the physical um, abilities to kick butt stronger than, you know, the women of Y&R are mostly, um, they're mostly workplace women, you know, they, they, they tend to be business women, um, and the women on Days of Our Lives, I mean, they have some strong women on there, I mean, like Kate, Kate Tamara is a very strong woman, but again, it might come down to what my competitions are, but I'm going to give the, I'm going to give the win on that one to General Hospital. Okay, um, I just want to move to Y&R and Days and then wrap up. Uh, Y&R, you know what I think would fix Y&R for me? Um, you know, I'm always harping on they should give Paul and the Baldwins more story. I really hate the fact that Victor and Paul are not buddies anymore, and Victor and Michael are really not buddies, and Victor and Neil are not buddies. And I don't understand why they keep putting Victor in this kind of adversarial kind of arc with everyone. It never used to be that way before. That's a really, really strong, great point. Um, you know, it does feel like Victor doesn't really have friends. I mean, if you look all the way back, even in the early days of Victor's introduction, remember he had Colonel Austin, you know, who was his yeah. friend and his confidant. And they did do a good job of, you know, I mean, I mean, Paul was sort of his whipping boy in many ways because Victor basically had him, you know, taking care of the guy he had locked in the basement. But they had, they did have a relationship. Paul and, I mean, um, Michael and Victor Michael. had a great relationship. They were, they, you know, he trusted him. He was, he was his lawyer. He was his confidant. He was basically his consigliere or whatever the word is. Um, well, let me just talk you right, that quickly I for a do, second. Uh, yeah. Just the one thing, just before your point. Uh, was Michael's voice looped the other day? Uh, you know, I, I don't think it – it may have been looped in part. I have a feeling, um, and, I, and I keep meaning to ask Christian on Twitter, I have a feeling that Christian had a cold because his voice sounded really, you know, like it sounded like he had some form of laryngitis or something. So, so I have, have a like Greg Rickhart doing his voice. Um, I don't think that was the case at all. 
Um, but it may have been looped, but it seems more likely that it was just that he was having some, some vocal issues, but yeah, everybody was talking about everybody. Everybody noticed it. So, uh, okay. Anyway, I, I keep meaning. Sorry. No, that's okay. Um, but yeah, I agree. I feel like Victor, they've gotten into a little bit of a habit of writing him as, you know, sort of a bad guy, sort of a jerk, sort of a D-bag. Now, Eric Braden plays it fantastically. I love the way he plays Victor, and I love when Victor is a lot like Sonny in that they both do terrible things that they truly believe they're doing for the right reasons. And even when they're called out on it, and even when people that they were doing it for, supposedly for their own good, say, no, you really screwed me up, they're like, yeah, 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 no. It was was for the best. You just don't know it. Um, But I... I do wish that they would – I do think that it would humanize Victor a lot to give him – you're right – to give him a friend. You know, I think it would really work nicely. I also – I miss that they – I miss – I'm glad that they played in the last few weeks, but I'm really going to miss the Paul and Kevin relationship. They really did a nice job of of playing this guy, Kevin, who had a terrible relationship with Terrible Tom. I mean, so bad that he was called Terrible Tom. And Paul – who, you know, will recall had terrible issues with his son who he basically had to kill. So to give this fatherless son and sonless father this really lovely relationship, I'm going to miss that, and I'm really glad the show at least gave them farewell scenes. Right. Uh, let me go on to Dave. Uh, I notice with Ken Corday as executive producer of Dave, I feel like he almost inherited his parents' soap by just nepotism and not that I have any problems with him personally, but he's made statements in the past saying that going forth when they had the big murder mystery a couple years ago with Will and everybody dying, that all deaths would be real. And now Will is coming back. Does Ken Corday not have any control over his show? But other soaps like the Y&R seems like the producers are more writing for Y&R and GH but the producer for days doesn't have any control. Well, I think there's a couple things going on there. For one thing, when you say, I, I, you know, I think it's very easy to say from now on, this is always going to be true. But you're dealing with a soap, and you're dealing with different head writers, and you're dealing with, um, you know, there's a very, there's a relationship that has to exist between your executive producer and your head writer. Um, now, it's also important to remember that we don't know the capacity in which Chandler Massey is coming back. You know, we don't know. We don't know. Now, there have been rumors that maybe they were going to do a time jump and they were going to go back in time and say that, um, that Will never died, that Will has been in a coma all this time, and the story we've been seeing has been, you know, a result of that. Um, it's, it's really difficult to prejudge story, and we do it a lot in this industry but I don't know that it's necessarily a very good idea. So um, I also, you know, I think, you know, I think Ken has his finger in a lot of pies. You know, he was, he was, he wrote a novel, which was then turned into the series Ladies of the Lake that, that Michael Caruso did for him with a lot of the stars. Um, And I don't know. I mean, I think, I think it's real easy to to talk in absolutes, but they're not necessarily easy to deliver year after year. Okay, let me add add this point to it. You have a book out called Crimes of Stability, and you've written some other books. If you had your own soap, right, and you Mm -hmm. killed somebody off, would you do anything like, I'm going to bring them back 
again, or would you have someone new take the place? Like, let me give you an example. On a soap called uh, Search for Tomorrow, they had this uh, character, a lead character, Travis Sintel. He'd be the closest thing to, like, a John Black or a Paul Williams or sure, whatever, one of the lead characters. They killed him off. They didn't bring him back. Mind you, the show was pretty much close to going off the air. Would you bring in a new character, or would you have him replaced, like they did with Jack Abbott on Y&R? Should they have just killed off Jack Abbott with Terry Lester and brought in Peter no, because that's, like Cousin that's Jake? Completely, no, that's completely... You're talking about several different things. There's a difference between when a... Oh, you mean if the actor actually dies? Yeah. If an actor dies, then yes. I think you bring on a new... If, if it's a popular character, then yes. I mean, I, I can't imagine The Young and the Restless had they not brought on you know, uh, Peter Bergman is Jack, and he made it his own. He created a whole new character. It's a, it, it, Terry Lester was amazing, but uh, no, I don't think that you stop. I, I, I think the show goes on, and I think that you bring on a new actor, just like if an actor has to leave a show for some reason or decides not to renew his contract. I don't have a problem with finding the right actor and, and continuing on, you know, because it's about the character. It's not necessarily about the actor. There are right. a couple of actors who I think are are impossible to replace. I don't think you can replace Maurice Bernard. I don't think you can replace Eric Braden. You know, I think that those are characters you can't replace. But, but Doug Davidson, the most, um, well, Doug Davidson, I think, is a case where there'd be no reason to replace him. For one thing, he's not going anywhere. For another, if he were, I. To be blunt, the character is not important enough on the canvas that you need to replace him. You could send him off, and 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 if Doug Davidson decided to return, you could bring him back. Um, but I I I don't think that the I wish the character was important enough on the canvas that you would need to replace him. But he's not. I mean, Paul has been largely sidelined over the last couple of years. So. You know, I, I I wish that it were true that he was such an important integral part of the canvas that if, if something happened, you would have to recast the role. But I just don't think that's proven to be true, unfortunately. Right, right. Well, I'll just save conversation for the next time I call in the next couple of weeks. Take care. Well, thanks, Alan. I really appreciate you calling, as always. Uh, just as I appreciate all of our other callers tonight, I want to thank everybody who's been listening to the show. If you've got thoughts, and I know you do, feel free to share them with me, um, as everyone does every day on either Soaps in Depth ABC or Soaps in Depth CBS. You can also find my primetime tweeting, which I'm about to do right now. I'm going to turn on The Bachelor. Uh, I do my primetime tweeting at all, at all TV, all shade. Uh, and you can find my Facebook profile at facebook.com slash Trump and the magazine at facebook.com slash uh, ABC and soapsindepthcbs, I believe. You can also find the magazine's website at soapsindepth.com, and once there, it'll direct you to either the ABC site or the CBS site, depending on which you're interested in. As always, I want to thank everybody for listening, because without it, it's just me talking to myself, and as much as I enjoy that, no one else does except possibly my mother. Uh, we'll do this again next week when I'm sure we'll have a, maybe we'll have news to share about William DeVry and we'll definitely have stuff to talk about where Hillary and Devon are concerned. So until next time, remember, because it's soaps, what do you have to do? Tune in tomorrow. Tune in.